Your Excellency, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having me here today. Uh, it certainly is a pleasure to be back uh, in Singapore. It's the first country I visited I visit in 2020, so we're off to a good start already. Um, I think speaking after Your Excellency, I have to cut down my speech from one hour to three minutes. Uh, but full disclaimer, I never intended to talk for that long. I think um, the key question here is transformation in the Middle East, are there any lessons to be learned from East Asia? And the simple answer is yes, many lessons. Uh, I can talk about the details of the curriculum and the approaches, but to me, maybe the biggest lesson we could learn is the adaptability of countries like Singapore that know when a change is required and then quickly implement that. I think the game changer right now globally is the ability of governments to transform quickly in response to market demands. And I'm sure many of you here have um, heard about the studies um, globally, the Oxford Martin Business School that says 47% of jobs will become obsolete. Uh, the World Economic Forum study that says students today in primary, once they graduate from higher education, uh, one third of them will be in jobs that don't exist today. So by definition, education needs to be nimble. So why specifically Singapore? I think um, for us to be able to learn lessons from each other, there needs to be some commonalities. Uh, both Singapore and the UAE gained independence a few years um, apart. Uh, both have become, have um, developed economically at a steady rate and are now regional hubs in their own regions. And they all have similar GDP size of, of approximately $350 million. So, uh, billion dollars, sorry. So the commonalities are there in terms of size, in terms of transformation. But the key difference is we do have a cushion. Uh, in the UAE, we've been blessed to have hydrocarbon resources. Uh, Singapore had to depend on its only resource, its most important resource, which is human resources. So by default, human capital development was central in Singapore from day one because there was no other way to do it. Uh, in the UAE, if I go even before the formation of our country, we had our main industry was basic pearl diving. And at the time, it was constituting the majority of our uh, income, the majority of our GDP. Uh, at a point in time, uh, the region was a hub for pearls globally. Even the world-leading companies like Cartier used to come and do their rounds and visit the region, visit Bahrain, visit Abu Dhabi, to ensure the constant supply. It was, in fact, the OPEC of pearl. And then one technology disruption that happened in Japan took more or less four or five years to create a devastating effect in our region. Um, the Gulf pearl price dropped by 90%. And you can imagine it's equivalent of dropping oil from 100 to $10. That had tremendous consequences. So we've been through an experience where we've seen technological disruptions that could disrupt the economy fundamentally. So that was the push for us to focus on education. Uh, fortunately, we did have a replacement years after the hydrocarbon economy, but that created such a thick cushion that sometimes we forget that this could also be disrupted, and it is being disrupted as we speak. So I just want to share with you the context of the similarities and the differences between the UAE uh, and Singapore, um, and I'll talk a bit more on how are we trying to change that. So 
For us in the UAE, we've adopted lifelong learning. Uh, when I was appointed as Minister of Higher Education 2017, sorry, 2016, soon after, the year after, I was also appointed with the skills file, advanced skills. And the first country that came to my mind was Singapore with the Skills Future Program, uh, which is very inspiring to see how can a government really tackle the skills gap at a national level. It's, it's, fundamental, it's fundamentally um, unique globally. We've compared what Singapore has done to, for example, what Ireland has done. They've followed more of a specific sectors and focused on them. In Singapore, you have done all sectors and in a very, um, I would say, hands-on approach. So we ask ourselves as government, what is the right model? Who owns the responsibility of skilling, reskilling? Is it the citizen? Is it the university? Is it the employer? Or is it the government? And we're still trying to solve for that as we speak. Uh, besides the governing model, we wanted to define what are the skills. So we looked at um, global uh, think tanks in that region, the World Economic Forum, the EU, and the OECD. And you will notice that the majority group them into three. The core literacies, numeracy, and so forth. But we've also added scientific literacy, which is, by the way, not science subject. It's how to think like a scientist the scientific literacy, uh, financial literacy as well, tech literacy. So all these literacies are required, in our view, from every single citizen, regardless of their job. That is the first uh, type of skills. The second, we call it competencies, which is the skills required by a person to perform a task. And these are basically critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, and communication. So the skills required to accomplish a certain task. The third bucket and the most difficult one is what we call character qualities. These are the skills that are not necessarily required to do a job, but to deal with the environment around you. And they include things like leadership, adaptability, social and cultural awareness, empathy as well, and growth mindset. How can I have a growth mindset? to truly believe that I can unskill, reskill, and upskill myself. And when we took this definition, uh, first thing we had to do was to create a momentum, because no matter what the government does, we thought about doing vouchers as well, but um, if the individual does not understand and fully understand that skills development is a personal choice, then no matter what you do at the university, at the government, it will not be adopted. So we went on a year-long program of educating all uh, parts of the society, from school children to universities to, empl to employees, about the importance of lifelong learning. So a big part of what we did was actually um, creating that behavioral change to adopt lifelong learning. Um, then we created some partnerships. We've signed with the World Economic Forum on a program called uh, closing the Skills Accelerator, which was, uh, we, did, we signed that in Dalian. The idea is to create different accelerators globally, one in Dubai and there are many others globally, um, where we share experiences. We've shared some experiences with Pakistan, we've shared some experiences with Oman, and now Russia is also on board. So there's the international sharing of experiences, but more importantly, at every single accelerator, it's purely dependent on public and private partnerships. It's a good mix of academia, um, employers, 
both government and private. So these are the main aspects that we've been focusing on uh, over the past couple of years. One was defining the skills, um, two, creating a momentum of lifelong learning, and three, collaborating globally, whether through the World Economic Forum or by visiting His Excellency, who was more than kind enough to share his uh, successes, I should say, and his challenges out, uh, in a more open manner. Um, and finally, again, participating globally and hearing from you is part of what we do. We like to learn, as the topic suggests, um, because reforming government is always very difficult. But reform education is even more difficult because education really touches every person. It touches our children, our siblings, our teachers. And the outcome takes such a long time. If you do a reform in immigration policy and um, a reform in taxation, the implications are quick. You can see the response. You can know, am I going in the right direction or wrong? But if you do it for education, it takes such a long time. So that's why it's very fundamental to learn from countries like Singapore, learn from countries like Ireland, who've been that, through that process, for us to learn the lesson and to apply it in a meaningful way. So I look forward to the Q&A. And again, thank you for inviting me, and I wish you a very successful forum. Thank you.